Hello, and welcome to another edition of Truth and Rhythm, brought to you by FunkinStuff.net. This is the interview show that gets deep in the pocket with contemporary music's foremost masters of the groove. I am your host, Scott Dr. James Goldfine, musicologist and author of Everything is on the One, the First Guide to Funk. you got to get your copy over at Amazon. Hopefully you already have it. If you're watching or listening, either way, I thank you very much for your continued interest and support. And hopefully by now you have subscribed. Make sure you do subscribe at YouTube um, to the Funkin' Stuff channel. That's where YouTube, uh, or rather, uh, Truth and Rhythm lives. And uh, you'll never miss out on any Truth and Rhythm or Funkin' Stuff information if you just subscribe at YouTube. Get friends and family to do likewise. We need the support and appreciate it as always. This episode features saxophonist, composer, and arranger Greg Scott and bassist Steve Green. They were central members of one of Philadelphia's most beloved homegrown R&B funk bands, Breakwater. The group, whose other key members included keyboardist Kay Williams, singer Gene Robinson, percussionist John Braddock, and James G. Jones, was formed in 1971 and had cultivated a fervent following in the region as an outstanding live act, incorporating an intoxicating blend of R&B, rock, jazz, and funk well before being signed to Arista, later that decade. Arriving in 1978, Breakwater's self-titled debut did not do too much to spread the band's notoriety nationwide, although its provocative close-up cover of a young lady's lips slurping up streaming water turned some heads. Nonetheless, the record contained lots of winning tracks. Among them were the flowing mid-tempo Work It Out, the terrific primarily instrumental Feel Your Way, which was a Blackbird's uh, in a Blackbird's kind of vein. And the sly and the family stone influence slow funker, Free Yourself. The sound was particularly noteworthy for its variety, as well as its first-class horns, synth, and keyboards, rhythm, guitar, and jazzy inflections. Breakwater's sophomore album, Splashdown, two years later in 1980, was a different story entirely. Although it did not fare much better than the debut in terms of national airplane sales, has been widely recognized by insiders as a funk classic. The primary linchpins responsible for that status were the opening splashdown time with its special effects start, slick piano, and strong group vocals. The faster funk of You with its punchy horns and confunction style flair. The lively pop R&B of Let Love In with its brassy horns reminiscent of Earth, Wind, Fire's Beatles remake, Got to Get You Into My Life. And best of all, the band's all-time hardest jam, Release the Beast, with its slinky uh, synth and incendiary scratch rhythm guitar. The latter track became the basis for a dance hit by Daft Punk called Robot Rock that helped bring Breakwater to a new audience all the way in 2005. Unfortunately, just as they seemed to be really hitting their stride, at least creatively, the group uh, lost its record deal and would never release another studio album. However, having only produced two albums and never attained significant national success has in some respects helped Breakwater achieve a level of cult status. It's not hard to see why as the group's high level of musicality is undeniable, but for whatever reasons, its full potential was never realized. In the Philly and greater tri-state region, the group was as popular as any R&B funk bands of the day. Those loyal fans will rejoice 
to the stories that unfold in its Truth and Rhythm episode with insights on Breakwater's formation, musical influences, albums, songs, live performances, and unforgettable memories. The capper is that several members of that classic lineup are still working together, not only putting on shows that have lost none of the luster, but also recording new music too. While Gene Robinson was also scheduled but unable to participate in this interview, I am delighted to be able to bring you the perspectives of Greg Scott and Steve Green. It's time to dive into the deep end with Breakwater. Enjoy. I'm so pleased to welcome to the Truth and Rhythm Mothership bassist Steve Green and saxophonist Greg Scott of Philadelphia's pride and joy funk R&B band Breakwater. Guys, so glad to have you here today. How are you both? Doing great. Glad to be here, Scott. And uh, thank you. There's Greg and there's Steve. I'm switching between the, the two of you so uh, viewers will know who's who. Greg, say hello. Hey, how's it going? Steve, say hello. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Splashdown time. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, where are you guys coming uh, to us from today? I know you're in separate locations. Are you both in Philly or where, where are you? So uh, Greg, why don't you go first? Yeah, uh, I'm at my home, home in West Philadelphia, um, and uh, I just uh, just got got in from a uh, bunch of stuff I had to do. So, uh, took a minute to learn how to do this uh, here Google Hangout thing. So, uh, we're, it seems like we're good now, though. Yeah, you're going to graduate. <laughs> and and uh, Steve, where are you at today? I'm home, sitting in my dining room where we uh, record vocals. <laughs> so we're in the studio <laughs> at home. And uh, East Oak Lane, Philadelphia. Yes, uh -huh. home with Philadelphia Eagles. As I mentioned to both of you guys, Breakwater is one of those groups that people have been asking to be on the show. And so uh, so glad that we could finally connect and, and do this today. All right. And we're, we're, glad, we're glad to be here. Excellent. Well, so I'm going to jump right in, and I'll start with um, Steve. Tell me a little bit about, um, you know, I assume you're from Philly originally, but maybe not. Uh, tell us about your background, a little bit about your childhood and when you first got into music. Okay. Well, uh, I was actually born in Alameda, California. I was an Air Force baby, you know, so we traveled around a lot. My family was originally from Philadelphia, so we uh, you know, came back home to Philly. And I grew up in, in, in Philly, in North Philadelphia. And it's funny, I was just telling this story last night to some friends at an event that we had. Uh, uh, that when I was uh, like nine years old, I started playing the bass um, orchestra, uh, upright bass in the orchestra at school, middle school. And that for Christmas uh, that year, my mother bought me uh, my first bass. It was a Sears Tedesco bass. It's one that, you know, it was cheap, but it was uh, it was my baby, right? And it was it was electric blue. It was beautiful. And the first thing I did was I went out and I uh, purchased some rabbit fur and some Elmer's glue, <laughs> and I glued the rabbit fur all on front of my bass, so I had a fur bass. <laughs> and um, so there was a guy in my neighborhood. His name was Daryl um, 
Rouse. They used to call him Boss Hog, and he was a uh, road manager for the group, the Manhattans. And they would uh, rehearse his band. Their band would rehearse in his basement from time to time. So when they would rehearse, I would go sit on the step with my little fur bass and put my chin on the bass so I could hear it and try to figure out what they were playing and you know, listening to them. And, um, you know, one, one day um, I was sitting out there doing that and um, the drummer, who's uh, Fat Larry from Fat Larry's band, this was way before he had Fat Larry's band, though. He came out, he said, what are you doing, young boy? I said, I'm trying to learn this basement. He said, come on downstairs. So I went downstairs and there was a guitarist named Cheese and his uh, bass player, Kenny Nash. And these guys, they just they just took me in and showed me all kinds of love and started showing me all these songs. <laughs> it's your thing and, you know, tighten up all these cool bass lines. And um, that summer, I learned so many songs from them that when I went back to school in the fall, my music teacher was like, what happened? How did you learn all of this? You know? um, so that was my beginnings right there. Those guys, man, the Manhattans, um, Fat Larry and those guys really, uh, really got me started playing a bit. Well, so about what age was that now? Uh, I was like nine, ten. Yeah. Those years, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing hearing how many musicians got their start with Sears instruments. Yeah. Man. <laughs> yeah, we really used to be in the catalog, you know, and you'd, you'd, you'd get the catalog around Christmas and look through it and get so excited about what you wanted from the catalog. Okay, at the Tedesco base, man. Woo! <laughs> Couldn't tell me nothing, man. Especially after I put that fur on there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's how I got my start. Greg, how did you get started? And did you come from a musical household or what? Well, I, you know, uh, I, I started in a high school band playing clarinet. And uh, I just... Uh, uh, I was like, you know, your basic, you know, 12, 13 year old, and I sort of discovered jazz. And uh, it was like, uh, this, I'm, uh, I was a little older. This is like, uh, you know, early 60s. And uh, I, um, I, I just loved what I heard. And I wanted to, I wanted to play that. So I, I would drive my parents nuts by sitting up all night and listening to, there's a really good jazz station in Philadelphia. W-H-A-T-F-M, um, back in the day. Um, oh, who was, Steve, who was, who was the disc jockey? Oh, Joel Dorn, right? Joel Dorn, yeah. Was a disc jockey on us. He wound up being a producer for Atlantic, I think. Yeah, yep. Um, so that, that station was, was pretty seminal, but they had, they played an amazing playlist of, uh, you know, Cannonball and, uh, you know, the, the Jazz Messengers and, um, it was just like, you know, I was just glued to that thing, uh, like, and then I was, I was sitting there with uh, my clarinet, my saxophone, trying to play along with everybody. And um, so I went, I rolled along with that in high school, and I, I started a, uh, I, I talked the, uh, talked the priest in charge of my high school band to, into, you know, bringing in some jazz people, the high school big band. And I've been a big band fan for a long time. You can probably hear it in some of the arrangements I write. But um, uh, so then I joined the Navy after that, um, uh, in long time ago. 
<laughs> in 19 long time ago. Uh, and uh, so I went through the Navy music program and uh, as a saxophone clarinetist and I got out of band, I got out of that in Rhode Island and uh, hung out in blues bands and bands in that in Rhode Island for a while and came back here. And um, um, it's interesting because I, um, I got in a band that, long story short, we wound up, um, um, the guitar player and I wound up going to Colorado and we joined a band that at the time had uh, Larry Dunn and Philip Bailey in it. This is before Earth, Wind and Fire. Mm-hmm. And when I got there, um, I didn't, we didn't have a place to stay. And I slept on Philip Bailey's floor for about uh, four months before I got my own place in his spare room. Uh, so that was, uh, so that band we were in was called Friends in Love way back in Colorado in the seventies. And um, then we opened up for the early Earth, Wind and Fire. And uh, they snagged Philip and, uh, and Larry and that was kind of the end of that band. <laughs> I came back to Philly and I joined a fusion band in Philly uh, called Good Guy, which I was doing in a I was doing a record for Atlantic. Fusion was big in the early seventies, as you may remember. And we did a whole bunch of gigs with Weather Report and Larry Coriel and Mahavishnu and Chick Corea. And I think that's kind of how Breakwater heard about me, because uh, they used to follow all the bands in Philly. And uh, that band broke up, and then a friend of, of the band and a friend of mine from Germantown uh, said the break order was looking for a saxophone player. And uh, I wasn't doing anything at the time, so um, I went over to a basement on 18th Street up in, uh, in West Oak Lane, uh, walked down into the cellar, they were jamming, and I jammed with them, and uh, we all liked each other, and it sounded good, and that's... That's the story of how I joined Breakwater. Um, so um, then we just, you know, we were, we were doing covers at the time. And uh, we just started writing our own stuff. Gradually got some good material going on. Um, started shopping it. We had some interest from Quincy Jones at one point. Um, and the problem with that one was we would have loved it. Because I knew Quincy from the jazz days, you know, uh, with his uh, big bands, all the stuff he wrote for Basie, all the stuff he wrote for uh, uh, Ray Charles, all those amazing arrangements that he wrote. This is before. This is this is before Michael Jackson, right? So he was. I knew him, and he had just finished Brothers Johnson. He was interested in the band, and uh, which got Arista interested in the band, and uh, then it almost yeah so. Well, let's pick it up from that point. But uh, that's that's the story of me and Breakwater is, is how I got in. It was just a call from a friend and and uh, it sounded good, so we did it. Wow, you covered a lot of territory there. Great job. Um, you know, it's funny because I had uh, Larry Dunn was on the show and he talked about, you know, how they connected with Earth, Wind & Fire. And I didn't know until now though, that you were actually part of that same group. So that's pretty right. interesting. It was, it was called <laughs> Friends in Love. Oh, and and Phil Phil uh, Phil was uh, Phil was one of the singers in that band at the same uh-huh. time. So yeah, that was uh, that was a great band too. Um, um, but it, it didn't survive the loss of Larry and Phil. <laughs> did Did you think at that time that those guys were destined for something? 
Oh, everybody in the band was great. The drummer was great. Um, it was a great band. And we just happened to, you know, we were, we were the guitar player and I were headed toward the West Coast. And uh, he had, he had met, met them before. And he said, let's go sit in with this band in, uh, in Boulder, Colorado. We sat in and on the spot, they asked us to join. So it was like, uh, I don't know, I've walked into great musical situations just like that. And you, I always go with, if it sounds good, I'm going to do it. End of story. Um, Breakwater sounded great, so we did it. Still All right. Good. Thanks, Greg. Well, Steve, back to you. So when we left, last left you, you were, you were only nine years old. So... <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what happened? Uh, you know, what did you do? Uh, you know, professionally, so to speak, before Breakwater, and and when did Breakwater become part of your life? Okay, well, um, so then the first real band that I played in was a band called Santa Fe. Um, it was an all Latin band except for me. Um, I'm African American, <laughs> and uh, but we played all Santana music. We, you couldn't tell us we weren't Santana, you know. We just love Santana. I still, he's he's still one of my heroes, Carlos. And um, actually, we played with Breakwater, I think, once at the Belmont Plateau. Um, it's a, uh, in the park here in Philadelphia. It used to be a real scene where bands would just come together and play, and they'd have love-ins and begins, and it was, you know, during the uh, early 70s, mid-70s. Um, so then after Breakwater, um, I started, uh, there's a guy in Philadelphia named Al Pollard, he's a great, uh, jazz pianist. Um, I met Alfie and he kind of took me under his wing and he started teaching me how to play jazz. So I started actually, I really fell in love with jazz and I started to become really more of a jazz, uh, musician. I worked with this group, um, uh, with musicians out of Philly uh, Monette Sudler and Khan um, Jamal and um, some 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 great musicians in Philly. And then when uh, I guess I was around fourteen or fifteen, there was a group called the Change Century Orchestra. It was like an avant-garde uh, big band. Uh, Philly Joe Jones was on drums. They had two two drummers, Philly Joe Jones and uh, Sonny Murray. I don't know if you know Sonny Murray. He's, he's really famous in Europe. He's like a great avant-garde drummer. And like uh, um, David Murray was in that group and um, Rick Iannacone, Monette Suttler, a lot, lot of great like um, avant-garde musicians. And so, you know, I did that gig for a while and that was, that was real, a, a, a lot of fun. And then I actually had a wonderful opportunity um, through some other, uh, um, you know, I met Jan Hammer, the keyboard player. And Jan became like a really, you know, like a, a, a good friend. We used to go up to his house and, and jam, have these jam sessions up in New York. And so Jan introduced me to Tony Williams, the drummer. So I started actually working with Tony Williams. He was putting together the new Lifetime. Um, and Alan's, Alan Holdsworth had actually just come to the United States. Tony, Tony brought him over. And 
So we're playing with Tony and Allen and uh, Cedric Lawson was a key player. And, you know, it was just a, an amazing experience. Actually, Tony Williams taught me how to groove. Um, so I was, you know, I would go up to New York to Tony Brownstone and we would just play and play. And, and you know, I was just really sucking all that in. And that was around the time that Breakwater actually asked me to join the band. Um, I think their bass player, uh, the guy Themer Jones, had left, and uh, they asked me asked me to to to, to join the band. And, um, I was I, w- I was really um, you know like I was kind of torn because I was doing the Tony Williams, but the thing about the guys in Breakwater that I love so much is that they were all my age. <laughs> you know, and we had we just we clicked so much together. It, it was it was great, but I didn't want to play. I I didn't you know I I, I didn't want to play like top forty music or cover music. So you know my speculation was that I joined the band, but you know only if we start working on original material, because that's what I you know what I wanted to do. So, um, you know. Uh, so that's when I when I joined joined the band and we started working on rich material. Folks started writing, uh, and we came up with some good stuff. But the, the first <laughs> some of the first stuff that we started doing original stuff was was very fusion <laughs> oriented because we love fusion music, you know, uh, Jan Hammer of course, and you know Billy Cobham and My Vishnu and Weather Report and all that stuff. We love that music so. Started writing songs <laughs> that were, you know, like very fusion oriented. But Breakwater's previous audience was used to like you know, guys playing like Tower Power and and all the you know the hits that were out then. So <laughs> folks were looking at us on our new on our original songs like, what the heck is going on here? But we were committed to doing this, and so we continued to work on the music and uh, and to uh, to hone a sound was also from, you know, where we had come from, but also included where we were going with all of those elements of jazz, rhythm and blues, funk, and, um, and, and rock. And we just, you know, started to put all that together um, to get the sound that we, that we came out with on that first album. Not, not, to, not to tell stories on Steve, but... Um... When when he first when he first started jamming with uh, Jimmy and Kay, they were just uh, um, they were fusion central. Um, they, I mean, it was like um, everything was like super fast and super uh, super fusiony, and um, um, and we were kind of going, wait a minute, because <laughs> our audience was basically a, a nightclub dance audience, and um, uh, and it was like. Songs, you know, people started looking at us like, uh, uh, "When are you going to play something we can dance to?" You know, and uh, uh, so that was a that was a process of like uh, of moving over, uh, you know, getting um, getting our grooves and you know, and also to help to define our identity as what we were going to be as original because we kept a lot of the fusion elements in it, but. Um, but we started locking down the grooves into a place where where our where our audience could old audience could still relate to it. Uh, Steve joined the band after I did. Um, well, what what uh, year did you join, Greg? 
I keep th- I keep saying around 1975, but I'm not positive about that. Um, the uh, the uh, I I um, I I left Good God, which was the fusion band I was in, in uh, around 74, I think, somewhere around there, and uh, and so it was be close around there, somewhere between 75, 76. And like I say, when we first, uh, when I first joined, we were playing uh, cabarets all over Philadelphia. Uh, sometimes two, three a night, carrying a Hammond organ. In. Uh, that was good times, trust me. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then you know, and Steve joined, you know, with the idea that we really wanted to make this an original, uh, original group and take our shot. And um, but like I say, when those, I mean those. Those, uh, Steve and Jimmy, the drummer, and Kay Williams, uh, they used to jam all the time by themselves and they come into rehearsal and they're doing like, you know, they're doing like, <laughs> and I'm like, guys, I don't know if this is going to work with our audience. Right? It was pretty funny. But we, we kind of, we, we brought it over, we worked it out. Um, we started, you know, slowing them down and sitting them down in the pocket, like, uh, you know, uh, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not like fusion is one thing and funk is another. It's like they're all kind of it's on a sliding scale, you know. Um, and and you can you can you can migrate along that scale. So we just kind of we still have a lot of elements of uh, of jazz and fusion in what we do. Um, we we take we we take some chances tonally that uh, other funk bands don't do, uh, which I which I love. I mean, I'm I'm a jazz guy from way back. I you know. Um, um, I got my, I strong-armed my father into taking me to see Duke Ellington when I was 13 years old. Um, uh, lifetime hero. I saw him while he was still alive. I mean, you know, and wonderful. And um, so I, there's no reason why you can't put all those elements in there. It's just, um, you know, it's, it, I think it makes your music richer and more interesting and more fun. So yeah, fusion. Well, yeah, that's. I, I think that gave the group, a, you know, it's part of its unique character, you know, bringing that to it. And and like you said, you know, when you play funk or R and B, especially live, there's going to be parts where you can have some uh, instrumental parts that can, you know, sort of cross that line. Yeah, and 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 the thing when we when we'd play live, we would extend songs, lots of solos, everybody's jamming. It wasn't you know, that package thing like you do when you put it on a record. It's like, it was a great live band. Always was from, from the day I joined it. It was a killer live band. Um, and they always related on that basis. Um, and I used to kid, I used to kid the guys because I, you know, I was hoping we'd get original too because Good God was an original band. I'd been an original band before that. And, um, but the, the cool thing about early Breakwater was what they played was very eclectic. They played what they liked, uh, including some things that were not uh, like on the top 40 at all, but they just played them so well that they got over playing with them. I, I used to tell the guys, hey guys, you might as well write your own music. Nobody knows the stuff we're playing, but we're getting over. So uh, just because it was such a good band, we played the stuff just so well that the audience is... Uh, I mean, we'd tear it up at these clubs in Chester and um, Wilmington, and you know, we'd play, we'd, we'd be 
getting out of these places at four or five in the morning. You know, I was, I was playing softball with the postal workers in uh, out of Philly uh, <laughs> at six o'clock in the morning. But uh, yeah, that's I mean, but it was always, always a great band. And it still is. Well, let me let me ask this. So you guys joined in the mid 70s, basically, but the group originally formed in the early 70s, correct? So I want to get the timeline straight. Do you know exactly what year the group was initially formed? Well, this this I know is that the band formed in Germantown High School. When the guys, uh, you know, um, original members were were Gene, who couldn't make it today, and Jimmy, who couldn't make it today. And I don't know if John was absolutely original. Uh, they are the, you know, G we, we five are the are the remaining originals. There's still two other guys, but their schedules didn't just let us become part of the band. They're too busy. Uh, but they, you know, um, Gene and Jimmy and Kay and Vince were all in Germantown High School together. And they formed it, I believe, early. And the, the legend I have is that that early band played Showtime at the Amateur Night at the Apollo or something like that and won. Um, I don't have any hard evidence to that, but that was that's the Breakwater legend. So, uh, and that was the band while it was still in high school. So wow. this, Breakwater goes back to Germantown High School um, and, and it's an honorable tradition. Uh, so, but again, I, was, I, I came to it later than that. Yeah. Every, every, when I joined, everybody was already out of high school. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me ask you this, Greg. So, uh, Stephen mentioned some folks like Jan Hammer and, and Tony Williams and all these guys. Um, can you point to anyone that was a influence on you musically? Who did you sort of uh, admire? Who did you sort of maybe emulate a little bit? Well. One of my favorite, you know, I loved Cannonball when I was young, you know, uh, Cannonball Adderley, uh, still one of my favorite alto players of all time. Um, I love, love David Fathead Newman, um, uh, who's, uh, who, who kind of got a little, I just was talking, he was in the, in the movie about Ray Charles's life. Uh, he was like his buddy in the early days. Um, also, um, the uh, also one of my still favorite uh, saxophone players of all time is Eddie Lockjaw Davis. Um, uh, love love his playing, soulful yet very really inventive and uh, and uh, very very imaginative yet always kind of soulful and and, uh, and and warm and and uh, and funny, nice sense of humor um, and. Um, yeah, and then, you know, I, I loved big band originally, and I, I wanted to become a big band arranger. And I, I did some before I joined Breakwater, and I've done a fair amount after, I, after you know, when Breakwater broke up in the early 80s. And uh, um, I do, I'm still an arranger. In, uh, I do arrangements. I just did some, uh, I did some stuff for strings a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah, I mean, I enjoy arranging. It's uh, and I, I write, um, I write just about all the horn parts for Breakwater, um, and it's it's fun bringing in like interesting tonalities, and nobody nobody complains too much. Uh, but uh, yeah, so yeah, no, I mean, uh, so certainly Duke, certainly all the all the musicians, the great big band musicians, 
And I was a clarinet player in high school, so I listened to Benny. I listened to uh, I listened to uh, you know the clarinet players. Um, I still enjoy playing jazz clarinet. Um, um, it's it's it doesn't quite fit in breakwater, but but uh, I go do jazz gigs playing clarinet, and it's a lot of fun. It's a whole different head than playing saxophone. Yeah, you, you just you have to be in a different space to play jazz clarinet. But I really enjoy it. So yeah. Thank Those you. Are, yeah, and uh, I, I mean all the you know I, I, I I love the early jazz. You know the, the from the '30s and '40s when when swing got that four on the floor groove. I still love that groove. It's a that's an amazing groove. Um, I love the I love I love um, like we have the song um, uh, "Let Love In," which is basically a big band song, right? <sighs> It has a funky swing groove, and I had a ball right in those horn parts. That was just like, uh, that was like too much fun. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's, yeah, jazz, jazz, and then I came to funk later, but it's all part of, you know, it's not like they're two different things. It's just different times in, 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 in the history of, of uh, African-American music. I mean, jazz, you know, jazz, funk comes from jazz. I mean, you can trace the lineage of, through James, you know, uh, when he started, uh, I mean, he was playing fat back swing in the late fifties, you know, right. And that turned into the, like, you know, the James always had a lot of swing in his funk. He plays some jazz organ himself. Yeah. 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 And I mean, what funky good times of shuffle, right? Funky yep. good. Go ahead, play it, Steve. You got it. <laughs> <laughs>